Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You haven't heard that in a really long time. And with this voice, yay, you're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. As you might not remember, we are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen in. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Ryan. Don't know if you can tell by the sound of my voice. It is God of the... (laughs) It has been three millennia. God is the age of of the elves. And now it's the fourth age with the return of the king. The age of man. And I am your other host, Chris. Uh, it's been a long time. Chris, I think you need to cast like lesser restoration on my vocal cords. <laughs> uh, well, this was, I mean, we, we could have, we could have stopped, but we, no, we're forging ahead because it's been, I, I, I legit cannot remember the last time we recorded. It's, it's been a really long time and I, I like Chris and I have seen each other. We've played D&D and like. But we haven't really recorded. And anybody, I, I'm just, I'll be real. Anybody that decides to throw out the whole thing like, oh, what's the matter? You were too tired or too unhappy to get out of bed to do whatever. Uh, yes. 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 You can't do the things you love when you're depressed. <laughs> also, also, we are living in the darkest timeline and also we're, we're old. old. We're old. We're, we're, we're old millennials and we're and, and we are being crushed by the weight of adultdom and and the dark dystopia we live in. But also like you and I both have full-time jobs. This like I wish this it could be a full-time job at least for me because it would just I know it would make mine and Chris's life a lot easier if at least one of us could do this full-time instead of having full-time like jobs or all your lovely dreadfuls i don't know if you would benefit or would want to see a patreon or some type of crowdfunding so we can, we can't do this full-time yeah as man. our jobs i mean anything goes i mean the stranger things have happened so i mean you never you never know but i i think at at the core we just really missed talking and bonding over horror gosh i cannot talk so last time we recorded an art the clown episode chris had the hiccups which i noticed because i did i did did. i really you had the hiccups what you were like i've had the hiccups for two days uh (sighs) you hiccuped throughout the entire episode and by the end i was hiccuping incredible (laughs) and you can hear it it in the audio so, That's so good. Now we're back and Chris can't talk and neither can I. So we're great. We're starting uh, off strong. Well, <laughs> well, also for maybe like the past, like legitimately the, the past year, I haven't slept a decent night of sleep in my own bed. You know, if I'm sleeping on a plane, perfect. Great sleep. I travel a lot for work. Perfect. Well, sometimes perfect. Sometimes not perfect. 
But generally, I'm very tired. So you're, you're getting delirious. Ryan, Chris, deal with it. That's when we're at our best, right? Indeed. And Ryan, you're, you're burying the lead a bit, but I, I think this is a, a perfect entry point. Because, because we're, we're obviously from the, the show title, spoilers, we are reviewing Terrifier 2. Now, Rai, remind me, you listened to the first Terrifier episode we did. When did we record that? Or if you don't remember that, when did that episode release? 2021, I believe. Was it, was it really? 2021. We were still, wow. in, the, we were still in the middle okay. of the pandemic. We referenced the pandemic in the I episode. Felt, it feels, it feels so much. It feels so much longer because time doesn't exist. Time stopped having. Uh, like I know we've mentioned this before, especially in our, you know, pandemic episodes. But in the pandemic, uh, time sort of lost like all meaning. I couldn't remember if like two days had passed or like three weeks had passed. So it feels like it was forever ago, but it. It was. It's only been about like two, two and a half years since that episode came out. That's wild for 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 two reasons. Because I I cannot believe it was that short ago. It felt like honestly longer. And two, I again, you know, just by the nature of life and how it moves a million miles per second. I I in preparation for this episode, I rewatched Terrifier one. I didn't remember most of it, and I I also think. That's like a defense mechanism because even though I didn't re-listen to this episode like Rai did, I clearly did not like Terrifier 1. And I think it was one of those great episodes where, you know, it, it made for great golden radio. I felt like I was ha- I had a lot of hot takes and then you were trying to defend the movie. And a lot of times our, our sensibilities align a lot. Like... Besides Terrifier and Art the Clown stuff, the only thing I can think of that we are like or really opposed in taste in terms of horror was like Deathbed and you know Suspiria. You know, just you know where I broke your heart. But I feel like we vibe a I'm lot. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you back with Italian horror. I'm gonna bring you back in. I'm not worried. That's a threat. That's a promise and a threat. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yes. Definitely a promise and a threat. It's both. Yeah. But, uh, right. Uh, I'm curious. Oh, uh, it's kind of like time travel or time capsule, even though it was like, it's only three years ago-ish. Do you, what, what was your general vibe during that episode? And you could describe my vibe because I clearly don't remember Oh, hell yeah. So, okay. So your vibe for it. So you were like, you were like, I'm on the fence. I feel some kind of way about this, but maybe I'll change my mind after talking to you through the episode. And I point blank was like, I'm not going to try to change your mind. Um, I was like, this makes for a better conversation because we're not on the same side. And I also brought up the fact that you and I do have very similar tastes in movies. So a lot of the times you and I are agreeing with things and talking about how excited we are by things and going off on crazy theories and like fun, goofy spinoffs that you and I come up with like in our own minds. And that's awesome. 
and I love that you and I do that when we record, when we do this. But we were not of the same mind. And while I was listening to it, especially at the beginning, I wrote down some of the things that Chris said about the movie. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I'm going to be put on blast. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wanted to bring them up because I wanted to see, because I knew Chris was rewatching Terrifier for this, as did I, because I it had been a minute since I had seen it, and I wanted to get back into that mindset. So, and I want to see where before we head into this episode, if Chris still agrees with this, but also a lot of the things that we talked about in that episode get addressed in the sequel. So I want to see if he still, like, if any of this has been rectified in his mm -hmm. mind through the sequel. So you said you were disengaged and bored. You said it was lacking substance and plot, that there was too much focus on the gore and the schlock, and that there was nothing to keep you engaged. You said art wasn't compelling enough to get you through the movie, and that it dragged and that you did think, which I found really, you you did mention for a lot of the intro that you were co like basically contradicting yourself the whole time because you said that the supernatural bent of Art the Clown in All Hallows' Eve was extremely appealing to you, but you didn't necessarily find that aspect of it appealing in Terrifier where you truly see the supernatural element come through. Okay, so I, I, I'm gonna put a pin in that. I clearly do not remember watching the All Hallows Eve anthology short. I legitimately, <laughs> I'm like my mouth is a gape. Was like I watched that. Like I don't, I don't remember that at all. That's shocking. <laughs> so yeah, so that so that episode was basically like All Hallows Eve because the All Hallows Eve was an anthology movie that was the introduction to Art the Clown. But it's a different actor that was playing Art. Uh, David Howard Thornton didn't start playing Art the Clown until Terrifier, like the release of Terrifier in like 2016. So now Art's basically his. Um, I th It was somebody else before that. So All Hallows Eve is a totally uh, different guy. But a lot of the stuff that you were complaining about, about Terrifier, come to life in, in the second one. Yeah. We we will we will get into that. Yeah, I was like I was like Chris is either gonna like eat his own fist, or he's gonna be like, nope, I stand by it. <laughs> uh, so uh, just just on the merits of Terrifier one, and based on you know the vibe the vibe check you just rolled out, it's largely the same. Like I, I <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> So I, I I was I was watching you know again context is everything you know I'm my brain is very tired and foggy right now so state of mind absolutely can play into it but as I'm rewatching Terrifier one it's it's not that long of a movie it's like it's ninety minutes it's an hour and a half. It's it's a it's a great length. So like objectively, it's eighty six minutes long. It's that's like a normal like okay amount of time for a film. It's not like T Terrifier two where it's like two hours and fifteen minutes. 
I felt the movie I felt the movie was dragging again. I felt largely disengaged. I don't know if bored is like the right word because there are, there are interesting things happening on the screen like David Howard Thornton his physicality to art is it's very purposeful it has clearly like an ethos a unifying vision um there's clearly uh like a creepy vibe and a consistency and a somewhat of a character uh, or, or i guess like a character attributes that makes it like cohesive but of course you know there's the spectacle there's the the gore that i cannot i mean it's undeniable that the practical effects is uh, really something it's is uh and you know this the original movie won uh awards for like best makeup and best special effects but overall, like it's it's largely the same like uh, analysis. Like I, it, it it was weak on the plot, and I know not not I mean, not necessarily. This, this is an homage to eighties B horror, even down to the soundtrack, the the audio cues, uh, where it's like very synthy John Carpenter esque with a bit of like industrial music thrown in. You know, it's. The the look of it, it has that f- like faded age fuzzy look from like seventies and eighties films that you know certain films like uh, Halloween Kill no Halloween Ends you know that those flashback vignettes to the seventies or or like or not not the seventies like the flashback scenes to like the the first set of Michael Miles murders, you know, that had that similar grainy faded quality that you saw a lot of time because of the medium of the film. But overall, yeah, it's the same vibe. We're like, okay, that was like 90 minutes. Um, there's not, I mean, it, the plot is very, very simple, too simple in my case. Yep. You said that you said that the first time too. You you didn't like the bookend gore to gore. You basically were just sort of like, well, what else is there? There was no there was no plot for you. You didn't like. Oh yeah, that's no that's another one I hated. I remember that. <laughs> he was just another serial killer, which I yeah. also pointed out was part of. The like unending violence was something that I pointed out in the ep- in our first episode covering Art the Clown. Was we had also just come off of watching the Poughkeepsie tapes for the first time, and I loved it, and you hated it. And again, like you know, I call I'm the first one to call bullshit on myself. It's because you know, look at my track history. I love body horror movies. I love the Saw franchise. You know, I love. You know, I do appreciate gore and special effects but like you know it, it's too much of a good thing for me uh i was like oh great like okay this um it's i cannot knock the hustle of you figuring out how you made sawing a, a woman like vertically in half look really realistic what does that do to the plot 
it does nothing to me. It, it, it's like I okay. It's like how does this move, push the story forward? It doesn't. It's just throwing met bodies, you know, on a pile and watching art, you know, do his thing. Um, and it, it is like, uh, I, again, it, it's, 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 it's like a meta narrative because it's hearkening back to like these type of movies that made the slasher genre, like what it is, you know, it's a simple premise, like a killer, um, who's can't be reasoned with, can't be bargained with gruesome kills. The location is, you know, a one-site location and um you know the the characters they're not well developed at all they're mostly just f- cannon fodder and the spectacle is them getting killed in the most gruesome way possible and you know i like i some people they don't need a story they just need like a good kill and a bunch of bu- a buckets of blood and i need more I need the chew. I need my brain. It needs to to get stimulated. So that for so at least that I can say has held up. Like you don't seem to have changed your perspective on that part of it. Um, what I found really funny was we were talking about the practical effects and how much we love them and all this attention to detail and how much like because of their budgetary situation how much like love and care and attention the director Damien Leone put into Terrifier and he was responsible for directing and doing the special effects makeup especially on art and all that other stuff and you commended him for that but your biggest uh practical special effects critique was the face prosthetic that they used on the girl, on the older sister, Victoria, at the end, in the beginning of the movie, you were like, it looked like shit. <laughs> it was so bad. You just were so, like, let down by the fact that he paid so much attention. A hundred percent. And I tried to, like, save the mindset by saying she was like a poor man's Mason Verger from Hannibal, like someone who didn't didn't have like the money to get the skin grafts and you were like not having it you were not buying it you were like nah it sucked but you just said a hundred percent so at least it sounds like you're a little less pessimistic <laughs> now that you mentioned it it's like i can see what they're going for she's the poor man's mason virtue <laughs> i guess they they ran out of budget at the end it's like we just get, get some get some play-doh get some play-doh we'll we'll, we'll fix it in post it's fine <laughs> i mean it, it's interesting because like you know the you know spoilers you know the character returned to terrifier 2 and the makeup looks way better i i there there are some things that we touched on in Terrifier, without knowing what direction they were going to take it in the sequel, that we were kind of uh, accidentally correct about, which I thought was kind of funny. But I... I... You should have seen the look of shock on my face when I got a text message from you that said, I'm watching Terrifier 2, and at first I was like, okay, he's doing this willingly, what hell must have frozen over but not only that the next text that popped up on my phone was i like this better than the first one and i went what 
you hated the first one, so there wasn't really a high bar, but you were, you, you made it sound like you were very much enjoying Terrifier 2. I would, Chris, shocked to my inner <laughs> core. Uh, I'm shooketh. Uh, I was very uh, shooketh. Very yeah, shooketh. We'll, we will get into that because doing, doing the homework for, for this episode, you know, it, um, the, the, our director, you know, um, oh my God, Damian you know, Leone. our architect, our architect, yes, our architect, Damien Leone, like, you know, took those criticisms to heart and like addressed them. He absolutely fucking did. Everybody, there were so many, there were so many fans of this movie that became fans of art, but they all said that the first one sucked because it lacked plot and substance. Not only did he hear that and gives you plot and substance, I'm bearing the lead here, he gave you plot and substance in Terrifier 2, but he really fucking upped the ante on the gore. Like, I can understand where people would have left vomiting over all of this or like passing out in this theater i i always hear i sometimes i hear stories about that about people reacting that way in a movie theater i'm like that's a bunch of shit but i watched terrifier too i've now seen it three times so i liked it but um i can see where people would have actually had that reaction during this movie yeah terrifier 2 like it it doesn't joke around no he went hard and for and again burying the lead a little and i know we'll get there eventually terrifier 3 was already announced and uh damien leone has already said like more gore i'm packing more in we're going more he's getting he has a bigger budget for terrifier 3 and he's going all in that's so great i also want to call attention to something before we really get into the nitty gritty of how we felt about terrifier 2 from start to finish there was there was a cameo or like the presence of an actress from uh i believe it was a 70s slasher movie called sleepaway camp that's in terrifier 2 and for i think people who are a fan of horror Having her be there for the two minutes she was on screen, I think really says a lot about Terrifier and Damien Leone and Art the Clown cementing themselves within the genre that like she was even in the movie. Now, it's someone could be like, well, that's reaching. I don't think it's reaching. I, I it's it's cl- clearly like even with even with like terrifier one i don't remember the all all hollows east movies i can't say it but like even with terrifier one you can clearly tell like uh, damien and the cast they're really they really love this medium they really love this genre and they're honoring it and i you know um and they're like and i think what's also great about terrifier 2 is they're still honoring it but they're also you know, establishing their own tone, their own unique voice, their their own lore, uh, their own mythos, which is really cool. When we're talking about like uh, Damien addressing uh, the fact that there's, there's no real no real substance in the first film, and trying to figure out, well, how can I build Art to Clown up in this in this world? Why does he 
uh, and what 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 makes him tick? What's his story? Does he have a story? And 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 which gets into the realm of the supernatural. Uh, before we just uh, I think uh, before we proceed with Terrifier two, I want to wanted to, to quickly circle back to that one point you mentioned about vibes where you you mentioned that the supernatural elements were more prevalent in Terrifier. Uh, on my recent rewatch, I thought it was very, very light on the supernatural stuff, um, the unexplainable stuff. Like, there's, like, uh, certain parts where, like, oh, he gets, like, stabbed in the eye uh, or he's getting, like, all these wounds. Um, and, you know, that's a classic horror trope where, like, the killer does not stay down uh, until you get to the very end where clearly like he, some, the, the, all the lights in the coroner's office you know flicker on and off uh, like the, the telephone starts speaking weird voices um, uh, art reanimates and kills the coroner that's like blatantly you know supernatural um, and for the most part with Terrify I thought it prayed it it played it quote unquote grounded as much as grounded in like the elevated reality of a B rated pulp movie could be. And with Terrifier 2, it really leans hard into the supernatural stuff, which I really enjoyed. Um, But yeah, so I just wanted to address that before, you know, uh, we get into Terrifier 2, which I feel like we should, uh, unless you have anything to add about, you know, revisiting Terrifier 1 and the episode that we recorded, you know, three years ago. I thought Terrifier really just was great for laying the groundwork. I will say that we remarked that, or actually you did, you said that there was some entity that brings him back to life at the end of the first movie. And both of us were just sort of like, well, sure, we don't know if it's an entity or if it's demonic or a spirit or whatever it is, but I guess we'll find out in Terrifier 2. And oh boy, the fuck did we? And they were sitting on that. I had no idea it was coming until I saw the second movie. I was shocked and impressed and delighted. And the story behind that character is really fucking fascinating. So I think we should just dive right in. So we're, we're 30 minutes in and we're getting to Terrifier <laughs> 2. And now we're getting we to Terrifier 2. True to form. Wait. True to form, guys. True we we, form. we back, baby. Uh, so so again, spoilers. You if you listen this far in and have not watched Terrifier two, pause it. You know, take a drink. Or don't maybe maybe or don't. you want to like or don't yeah like, whatever. It's all good. Ha- have have a fucking chat and then decide. You know, yeah, I'll go watch it for the first time, or hell yeah, I'll go watch it again whatever man like but yeah, yeah spoilers um and spoilers about spoilers abound and we have a quick synopsis here quote after being resurrected by a sinister entity art the clown returns to the timid town of miles county where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on halloween night and so we have terrified 2 which came out um it had the world premiere at Fright Fest on August 29th, 2022. And then it had a U.S. theatrical release 
for October 6th. And it became a really big hit at the box office, even despite the very limited initial release it had. And so much so, they added extra screenings a week after week. I think they had at least three extended weeks of extra screenings. And and um, it was very profitable. Um, it grossed $15.1 million, uh, on a 250k budget, which is massive, and um, and it's like a, it's a direct sequel. It's a follow up to the first movie, and again, dire- written, directed, edited, and produced by Damien Leone. Uh, David Howard Thornton returns as Art the Clown. And then you also have a brand new screen queen, Samantha Scafidi, I believe, Scafidi, who plays uh, the titular character of Sienna Shaw. And they also have Elliot Fulham as Jonathan Shaw, who plays Sienna's younger brother. And um, the other big player, uh, Sarah, Sarah Voigt as Barbara Shaw their mom and there's all a bunch of supporting characters but like those probably are the core four and uh rye um what were your thoughts i'm really curious to to hear yours because this is the third time you've seen it this is my first time seeing it and also did you watch it in theaters no like, like on a, a premiere i didn't okay. i didn't watch it in theaters i watched it at home like a okay so first things first the first thing that sort of blew me away that I referenced right before Chris gave us our lovely synopsis was, of course, the introduction to the pale girl. And having her be in this movie, I think, upped the ante. I think it added something um, on a lot of levels, and I'll get into that. But she is somehow even creepier than art like her makeup is even creepier than art and i love that there is something very uh hard to look at with her and like art has a very distinctive face distinctive look and i remember in the in the first episode that we uh recorded about art i said he was difficult to look at because of his smile and his very unique makeup and all of that, she's even harder to look at uh, because of her physical characterization. She and David Howard Thornton play so well off of each other. Their physicality is amazing together. Sienna is a wild, wild, and very worthy heroine. Yeah, uh, jumping off of uh, your commentary about the pale girl, or oh my god, I love her. Yeah, I want to, I want to dress up as her. Yes. I love her. One hundred percent. Pale girl slash Emily Crane uh, is played by Amile McLean, and I remember. Uh, so I, it's been a at least it, it's been a week since I've seen Terrifier two because we postponed recording. Uh, a bit but if i remember correctly the first scene was pretty unsettling where you first see the pale girl either like she's 
like vomiting out or like she's or like her stomach explodes out or it's like there's, there's, like, there's like, a, it, it was like a bunch of like i i i kind of know i, I there's there's also one more option i'm thinking of but I, it's also pretty disgusting but like something black and like gushy and tar like comes out of the the pale girl and it falls into the floor and i think i think uh did it happen in the pe- no? It ha- it happened in the laundromat. Yeah. So um, Art uh, first scene. Art's carrying his its garbage bag, goes into a laundry mart, and starts uh, washing his clothes, and then turns over to see the pale girl. And the pale girl like just does a like just vomits or excrements or does something bodily and liquidly, and then. And then smash cuts to Art's clothes being super clean, uh, even though it was like pretty bloody to begin with. So like you know, it doesn't need to make sense. Yeah, yeah. So that happens. Great. And then 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 the they end up killing the laundromat attendant together. Um, but yeah, her first appearance super creepy. And and you know you know shout outs again to the all the special effects makeup and just like the the way she carries herself and just the way that she's like has this rictus grin smile and this like this really intense vacant terrifying stare or like the way she just looks around and looks at you it's you know it's really great acting people are talented it's so impressive with her is you forgot my you forgot my favorite part in the laundromat though was the two of them playing patty cake together that's and right they're playing and he's still covered in blood because his stuff is in the wash and it pans over to the guy that's working there who wakes up and sees him playing with himself like there's nobody there and i was like whoa i was like okay and at first i was like oh is art who's already obviously like unwell i was like is he is he hallucinating this girl yeah it plays with this it plays with the unreliable narrator in, in a psycho. Yeah. It plays with the unreliable narrator and an already established psychotic character, which was just like chef's kiss. It was so, it was such a nice touch. Yeah, it plays with, uh, you know, it, it asks interesting questions like, oh, is this, is this girl real? Is she a hallucination? Is she actually a demon? Can other people perceive her? And like, you know, spoilers, yes, people can see you know her so she has like some type of corporeal essence or anchor to the physical world or maybe she can maybe there's one of her millions of powers that aren't really explained but like you know the characters uh, including sienna and jonathan they do interact with her they do see her um and uh you know quote unquote communicate with her um so yeah it's really interesting and then your second point about uh sienna shaw i loved her i loved her the character so much and her actress by far my favorite part of the movie um because like she has like this great charisma this great presence um lauren lavera is a like a really accomplished martial artist and she did most of her own stunts and uh (laughs) Uh, like Sienna Shaw's character, um, 
specifically like the whole angel outfit it strikes that like part of my lizard brain where it's like it, it harkens back to like like old like 80s metal covers or like the cover of like heavy metal magazine where it's like badass valkyrie babes uh and like shield maidens just killing demons like that is my vibe that's like you know it's like okay i'm in it like and and also this this character is a cosplayer great awesome like the first scene you see of her is she's in her bedroom um playing like this badass super great synthwave soundtrack and she's finishing up her her warrior valkyrie shield maiden cosplay and it's dope as fuck and it's like i okay i'm in it i'm fully invested tell me more about this awesome screen queen i need to know everything about her and it, i think it's really charming and sweet because this harks back to um Damien Leone's, I don't know, if it, I don't remember if it was All Hallows Eve or it was in his first intention for Terrifier 1 that he wanted to introduce an angel-like character, but he didn't. And so after X amount of time, he was like, you know what, I really love this character. He He's unabashedly, I love Sienna Shaw. I think she's one of my favorite all-time characters I've ever created. And she, or, and he manifested her and I, I think she's no boy you know spoilers i think she's like one of the best parts of the movie sienna was glorious in this movie i i loved her i loved her character i really in the first terrifier i thought that the i, I thought that tara was going to be a very worthy like final girl but then much to like our disappointment she gets killed off at the end of the movie she dies so she ends up not being a final girl uh, Art just goes on a killing spree and that's it. But Sienna truly is a final girl in this. And I wouldn't be unsurprised. I would not be surprised if I saw people cosplaying as her at Comic-Con this year. A hundred percent. Like I've seen, I've seen Art at, at New York City Comic-Con last year when I was there. I took a picture with a guy who was dressed up as Art the Clown. Like Art is already there. Um, I, I would be so excited and kind of blown away to see someone dress up as Sienna at Comic-Con. I think that's one of the coolest things about Sienna in that, you know, in Terrifier 1, you had Art the Clown, you know, just being this unstoppable force of nature, uh, you know, whether you believe he's just like a crazy serial killer or he's something more like a like a a demon a supernatural entity regardless you know he everyone that crosses his path is you know you end up dead and there's a if there's a reason why you live it's probably because you know you, the, the fate that you end up with is worse than death so for example victoria at the end of the the first film and you know, bookends and shows up in the second film, you know, whether it's the the PTSD of that night just snaps something in the brain and then she she's become murderous and psychotic as well, or maybe some type of 
essence tied to the art or tied to the pale child infected Victoria. And now she's like a thrall, like a vampire lord, like art's a vampire lord and Victoria's under his thrall and she does his bidding and she straight up kill people, uh, kills people. I mean, that, that, that type of characterization for art fits with, you know, the type of B rated slasher pulp, uh, movie they're trying to make and when they're when they went to here when they want to give more substance they want to 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 create you know a, a a compelling narrative you know what's a great villain need you need or what's a great hero need you need a great villain and vice versa so they uh you know sienna created this perfect foil to uh art um you know at the beginning Sienna 100% just goes through the hero's journey, uh, you know, and, um, <laughs> for example, um, there, there's, um, there's a, for those who don't know, there's, like, uh, the hero's journey, uh, uh, is, oh, is it, oh, God, I can't remember who wrote it now, uh, please take away my writer's card, but, uh, it's, like, think Star Wars, Star Wars, it's classic, um, uh, pattern of story where it goes through beats of like um, the the call like the, the call to adventure where uh, Obi Wan Kenobi shows up and says Luke uh, you know y- you uh, you are destined for greatness and then the second phase is like the refusal of the call Luke's, Luke's like no I I'm not a Jedi I'm like I'm I'm, I'm just a farm kid and then. Uh, um, and then later, there's a part of the hero's journey called um, seizing the weapon, and where it's not just like a literal weapon; it's like seizing some s- sort of untapped power. And, and like all those phases happens to Sienna, and it's so cool to see herself actualized at the end, and she becomes like this super powerful opposing force, uh, this supernatural force against art, where like art actually. Uh, you know, has to struggle and has to like, uh, you know, it meets a force that he doesn't, that that does not quite a victim, and it, and it creates like this in, interesting sort of physical, emotional, and like if you want if you want to say it like metaphysical conflict and tension, which is ripe for more storytelling or extra storytelling. And of course that's, what's going to happen because Sienna Shaw's coming back for Terrifier three. Oh my God. Yeah. And I have a funny feeling we're going to see a couple of repeat, um, characters in Terrifier, Terrifier three, the pale girls absolutely going to come back. Um, Sienna's coming back. I'm sure her brother will also come back. Like we're going to see a lot of stuff, but do you feel that Terrifier 2 sort of redeemed all of the things that you felt were lacking from the first one. I think it addressed a lot of the weaknesses that the first suffered from. And I to success and benefit. Like, you know, again, Sienna, uh, like the 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 B plot of a family, you know, being torn apart. Uh, or struggling, Sienna and Jonathan, they are being raised by a single mom. Um, their dad went crazy and killed himself. And then we find out later in the film that there's some type of 
mental or supernatural connection with the dad and art because the the dad starts getting possessed by visions starts drawing really disturbing art i guess crafts or me at least i don't know if he crafted the sword but it gives a literal holy weapon uh to sienna and he created the character of this angel uh for sienna and that's why we see her in the beginning like you know making the halloween costume because uh it's dad's character dad loved this character dad made this for sienna and then he specifically said something along the lines of sienna's meant to be her and we don't know until like mid late movie that he meant it quite literally where like this magical sword you know isn't just a prop and it like gives her magical badass powers and revives her and and it's it has some it's like it's a sword it's a vorpal sword and it, like it can t- cut off at art's head affect his supernatural being in some way and so there was there's so much to chew on with the story you know whether you like the supernatural stuff or like the the, the family drama or the you know, it has commentary on, you know, what's it like being... It's hard being a teenager. Yeah, Jonathan is a kid who is an outcast. He's a loner. He's misunderstood. And, and because of that, you know, his parents or his mom at least doesn't recognize him or he's all, he thinks he's a delinquent. And then you have Sienna who also is struggling with being a teenager in her own way and she's... She feels like she's so uptight and and she she can't ref- allow herself to let loose or let her guard down uh, um, until her friends like slip her molly. Which, uh, by the way, is bad drug etiquette. Drug with consent. But yeah, so there's so much more story, so much more interesting character development. Um, this is definitely more of a character-driven story. Like, unlike in the films, like, you barely understood who the characters were, what their motivations are, what drives them. I did not feel intimate or empathize with how Tara and Victoria were as siblings as opposed to Sienna and Jonathan. Like, their dynamic uh, is very clear. It's like, it's it's a complicated, you know, brother-sister relationship, you know, and, and they fight. And, but... um. In their own weird way, Sienna and Jonathan can bond because they they're both like outsiders and outcasts in their own way, and I thought that was really charming. Um, so story wise, great, a lot of great improvements and interesting wrinkles and stuff you can chew on that you can you know endlessly debate about and you can endlessly like pull into the third film. Um, in terms of like practical effects, my goodness, they outdid themselves. Some shit looked really real, and, and and to me, one of the things they didn't correct, like of course, you know, it's a matter of escalation. You know, how can we top ourselves in Terrifier Two? So there's a lot of really, really messed up, fucked up kills. Um, and like so, the part where I felt like, okay, D- Dave, I see what you're doing. I'm some audiences might love it. I might not be the person who vomits in the theater, 
but I'm definitely squeamish about it. Is like that one <laughs> kill scene that lasts like three. The bedroom scene where legitimately three minutes worth of nonstop mutilation, and it's like, okay, what what are we doing here? I I mean I know what you're doing here, but they're giving you the needless violence from the first one that you hated. <laughs> yeah, and it's like okay, I get it. Like how many like how many times are you gonna mutilate? like this young girl a lot the answer is a lot oh you you caved her head in and she's still alive and then you break her arm and you break her arm off and then you like hoist her up over the bed and 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 then and they do the same thing to the mom you know or make the mom watch it's like great trauma for everyone oh absolutely i so okay so here's the thing with terrifier 2 one of the running theories that I had in my head when it first started was that I thought that they were going to spin it with Art was their dad. But this this whole movie takes place exactly one year later. So Terrifier 1 ends one year later with Victoria's uh, on-camera interview after which she goes nuts and kills the host. So that takes place one year later, and this is that's when this movie picks up. It's a year later, and Art is doing what he's got to do. So I don't know what he did in a year after he was resurrected. Yeah, I, I wonder, I mean... I wonder if, like, the whole getting ready thing was him, like, preparing with the, with the pale girl about, like, the havoc they were going to wreak. But what I enjoyed was that you saw that Art sort of had a home base in that carnival and one of the theories like they like the director and David have and David Howard Thornton have both said that the pale girl is a physical manifestation of like a demonic entity that is there with art to play off of and I love that but there's also this theory that I really enjoy um that the girl is taking that form, but she's taking that form because he lost his daughter. There's a a quick newspaper clipping of a 10-year-old girl that went missing at a carnival and whose body was found inside of a makeup trailer. And that was usually occupied by, like, actually, I have the article because I took a picture of it. Oh, shit. Look at you, deep diving for lore. Oh, yeah, because I, I, thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really interesting. Okay, so it says, Girl discovered at local carnival. A grim fate was in store for a young girl after a celebration at the town carnival this Halloween. Ten-year-old Emily Crane was last seen alive, cheerfully roaming the carnival grounds earlier Friday evening. As the night progressed and the attractions closed, family members grew concerned as to her whereabouts. Several carnival growers worked alongside family and friends to search for the young girl, which came to an end shortly after it began. Crane's lifeless, mangled body was discovered in a makeup trailer just outside the event in the main event grounds. Crane was the daughter of two prominent circus performers, whose family also includes a long line of very popular, well-respected circus acts, mimes. Mm. And art is silent. So, so is... Is art like the the revenant that seeks revenge for the death of 
his kid. I don't but, know. But like just kills randomly. I don't know. I mean, he kills without mercy and he has no, like he doesn't care if he kills kids. He kills kids in all hell's eve. Um, he's not like above or below that. And he goes after Jonathan. He's also a kid. So that is a really interesting theory that I like. And it, you get a lot of fleshed out stuff with art in this movie, but I think if it holds any weight, it, it adds something else that where you get the supernatural element of him, you get that human element of him as well. Like, Michael Myers is a human, but he has that supernaturalness about him. But he was a kid. It's it's established more in this movie that he has some type of human origin, some type of human connections. But whatever he is now, it is clearly clearly whatever super- he is now is supernatural. Yes, yes. Yeah, because there are so many more moments in this movie where he's getting wounds that would definitely. 200% would kill a normal person. Like, should kill him. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's like a like a, a, a two by four with spikes and nails that he hits in the back of the head. You know, he gets up later. He gets impaled by a piece of fence that Sienna rips off and stabs him with. Again, you know, gets up, you know, the, like the, the, the brutality of the kills, you know, uh, of art, obviously, you know, it's very high, but, you know, art gets put through their meat grinder a lot as well, which is really cathartic, especially coming from how badass um, Sienna is. Um, and so the the, sta- the stakes are constantly raised. And then then you get to the, the sort of apex, the crescendo, like the, 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 the climax of it where uh, Sienna... You know, who is trapped in this weird pocket dimension. I guess kind of like the sunken place from Get Get Out. Out. Yeah, where like she's stuck in this weird clown limbo space uh, where she's trapped in the Harry Houdini uh, water trap. And then this is after Art like, you know, throws her down a pit, stabs her, and then she falls backwards into another pit. Um, and then she ends up in this Harry Rudini water trap. She's drowning, and uh, she sees um, this the set of this clown based like kids, uh, very very campy, um, uh, like PBS style TV show. But everyone's dead, but not dead. <laughs> oh my god, clown! Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. We have got to talk about the fucking clown cafe. The clown cafe with like the the was it a ukulele player or someone? Or- well, okay, so so for starters, some of the extras that were in that scene were the Indiegogo backers from the first movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because like I I was wondering, do I like they they the camera like really really lingered on each of them, and I was like. Uh, and it's like, do do am, am I supposed to know these people, or are they like like new up and coming, like screen queens and kings, like the next Jenna Ortega, or I because they they focus a lot 
on these shots. Yeah, it's it's because they're the Indiegogo backers from the first one. Okay, that's great. Thank you for that trivia. You are welcome. Also, more trivia. The Pale Girl, the reason why she looks like Art um, was all Damien Leone. Initially, she was supposed to look like this girl who had like this flower dress on and like she was very um she kind of looked like she came from the 60s and then david howard thornton kept getting tagged in different people of all genders cosplaying as art the clown and he was like nope fuck it we're gonna have her look like him and watching them and that's why she looks like him in this instead of his original idea and i think that it just takes it to a different level and I really respect the move for it. But he even said there's something even more unnerving about watching her because she, for such a young child, does that physicality the same way David Howard Thornton does, but obviously on a different level and equally as well. Like she was always down to play and she's wearing those like Skelera lenses and somehow looks even more terrifying than art in some of the uh smiles and like looks that she does and they also said that she was just like having a really great time on set which is really cool to hear about with a kid in a horror movie oh oh i mean of course i mean yeah she's living the dream yeah but i know when you have but when you have a kid in a horror movie sometimes you like i remember you watch you watch interviews with the kid who like the kid who played gage in pet cemetery or the kid from Cujo, or even the guy from The Shining. You ask any of them what was happening, and they're like, I didn't know I was making a horror oh. movie. <laughs> and you wonder, and like, you wonder, or even sometimes if you also know that you have the kid that is aware that they're making a horror movie, well, what does that do to them? So it's just sort of kind of awesome to see that she's like fully aware, she knows what she signed up for, and she's just like, going ham and having a fucking blast that is so cool hell yeah good for her i forgot what you were saying but you were gonna make a really good point uh oh yeah okay i guess okay well the the climax of you know so like you know our guess is head chopped off and um and then the pale girl takes the head away and she just leaves and then i i feel like the 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 jumping from like point A to point B after that scene happens is my biggest gripe of the film. It it, it relays to, oh okay, this I, there's I don't understand why this has happened or why what purpose this serves. It just seems to me more of this. How badly can we shock people with gratuitous gore? And, um, and and maybe maybe it's meant to inspire some sort of theory crafting, but at least from this first watch through, I didn't understand how it connected to the rest of the eth- uh, the the mythos or the world building they established this film. And so this goes back to Victoria, who's in a mental asylum, and in this post credit scene, uh. The orderlies are chatting. It's Halloween night. Uh, and then you hear a bunch of wailing. Um, and you the, 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 
a female orderly or or nurse uh, goes to check out uh, her cell, and you see Victoria like first like like she's like bleeding like she's like she's like give about to give birth she's going to labor and so she's like taking all the blood that's on the ground and like and making symbols like like uh what's her name Vic- vicky plus art and, and a heart sign uh so there's some weird joker harley type of romantic situation going on which i find weird and i'm i don't know how i feel about it, it honestly and then you get to the part where she becomes super prego uh, really quickly, and then she gives birth, and then as the orderly like looks in, she's like licking off like the afterbirth off of whatever her baby is, and her, she gives birth to Art's decapitated head. And I'm like, okay, you had me, you got me, and it's like, but then you now you lost me. What what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, yeah, I mean. It's, I I guess it's, like, another very, like, literal take on he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And he was, like, resurrected yet again because the pale girl was there. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know, we know, you can't kill Art. But I don't understand what purpose is, if if it's just schlock, if it's just, like, just to gross people out, great, you did your thing. And... You don't, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I like, that's, and that's like going back to the same criticism I had with the first ones. Like it looks impressive. It's gory. It's disgusting. What, how do you move the story forward? What, what, what are you trying to set up besides, you know, the fact that art's gonna be resurrected, which we knew already. It's a, so I don't know. I was frustrated by that post-credit scene. Everything else, you know, pretty above board. You know, I definitely an improvement. Um, but yeah, that that post-credit scene just like really disengaged me. It's like okay, I'm done. <laughs> so it was that one step too far once again. That really just sort of uh, yeah. That in the bedroom scene, like uh, it's like okay. So the bedroom scene didn't bother me, but it was a lot. I mean, it, it depends on your audience. Like some audiences are clearly clear, or clearly here for as much gore as possible. How can we top ourselves, or how can Damien top ourselves? And and um, I was like, great. I, if you enjoyed that, more power to you. There's a lot of gore. <laughs> I think I think the thing that audiences could find unsettling about that scene is Art's like joy. He's enjoying it. It is a next level. It's next level depravity that a lot of people outside of uh, something like a Serbian film or Martyrs or you know even Hostel. There is a level that you are not of violence that you are unaccustomed to people taking joy from and i think that that does not sit well with people and i think that it will make them very uncomfortable i I think it's also the similar reason why like quentin tarantino gets like a lot of flack of like like his female characters getting like overly overly gratuitously 
violated, mutilated on screen, you know, like, what is that? What, what are you trying to say? What, what purpose that's serving? And like, you know, art is cinema or not, or I'm sorry, cinema, like, I, I guess like, I don't know. It's just like violence serves a purpose. Yes. It can move the story. But when it gets to like a certain, like, degree of like excess i mean everything that art does though is also in excess right like and i think what what an interesting key component to this is is his enjoyment but it's how he expresses his enjoyment art doesn't speak we know that it's that face it's that silent laughter and even like when he gets stabbed or when he's laughing and finding joy, he's completely silent. And I think that that also just takes the enjoyment disturb disturbing and ups the ante. Everything that Damien Leone will do from here on out, I feel like will up the ante. But now he has set a precedent where in Terrifier where people thought that it lacked plot and substance, he now gave them plot and substance and gore in excess. And if his goal is to really hear what people are saying and improve upon it, expect gore and violence to the utmost extreme in the third one. I also think there will be more plot and there will be more things about art and his backstory that will get fleshed out. Maybe more of the pale girl. But do not expect the violence to go down. It's only going to go up. Especially after uh, David Howard Thornton uh, in a interview, I think it was with Dread Central, uh, they asked him what do you want to see for Art the Clown in Terrifier 3? And he said, I want a mass kill. He was like, I want to do something that puts the body count from like Michael Myers to shame. And I have no doubt that we'll see something like that. Because he did a little one in Terrifier 2 with the clown cafe scene. Yeah, he did. 100%. But he wants like big, big numbers. He wants a massive body count. And... Part of what I love about art is that you know how uh, a lot of the horror slasher icons have their weapons, their iconic weapons that you sort of like know them for. Oh yeah, the 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 cat of nine tails makes its 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 return. It does, but art does not have like a signature weapon. He has a garbage bag full of stuff. Mm-hmm. He is like a kid in a candy store, and I love that, but. Listening back to the to the first time we talked about Earth the Clown, you talked about that, Chris, and I I still cannot tell if you were loving it or you thought it was like or if you were perturbed. Oh, the wait, the garb, what the garbage bag? Yeah, like the garbage bag full of stuff. Like he has a knife and a gun and a nail file and a nine can of nine tails and a block full of stuff and you know. I mean, he he he's an artist, so he has many many tools at his at his disposal. You know, you know what was what what's really surprised me today when I was rewatching the first movie, and I again clearly don't remember it. Art did this interesting uh, to me at least. I don't know if other people you know saw it a mile away, or I was just too tired to notice, but. The, the the fact that like art like 
straight up pull out a gun and is and kills people with a gun. It's like, oh, I did not expect him to do that because he seems like you said the same thing. You said the same thing from the first one too. Okay, yeah, because like he seems like you know, you know, going back to like the Batman metaphors, like he. He seems like a person who wants to get up close and personal with a knife and savor all those little emotions and that visceral feeling of like feeling flesh again push against your blade as and and like the the clearly phallic notion of like a knife stabbing into meat and but it's like oh he has a gun it's like okay uh great he's He's a threat, no matter what, no matter what distance you are. And I found that like I found that that was a that was like a unintentionally funny breaking of tropes, or like uh, it, it's like it's like it's like for me, it's like if Michael Myers just pulls out an Uzi and just mows down a, a neighborhood. I I don't really expect this from a slasher. It just seems like unexpected. It just seems like behavior that you know we're not primed for. But also he like does like an old school video game upgrade of his weapons. From the first movie to the second movie. Yes, he dumps 100%. everything out of the garbage bag and takes stuff from the coroner's office. New scalpels, uh, acid, uh, chemicals. He just, uh, like... <laughs> he's he's in his Resident Evil safe house. And he also probably took money from that guy because he bought a horn from the... Um, uh, Halloween store before killing the worker that worked there. Yeah, and and it, then it goes back to his workbench, and then he just he just fuses two weapons together, and then he just goes out. I I know I I do like I do uh, find it interesting that you know he's not beholden to you know one weapon so it makes like the 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 different types of kills not infinite. You know, going back to. Dean, 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 he has he has a bag of holding full of weapons. He does. He's not beholden to a single trope or like a signature look or phrase or anything like that, which I think makes him more menacing, but also entertaining to watch because you can't really tell what he's thinking. Yeah, because he's a mime. He doesn't speak, and like he's very good at like like masking his. It, his intentions he his his physical comedy though in this was i found myself laughing a little bit more in this one than i did in the first one Mm -hmm. especially in the halloween store and i was like okay david howard thornton established this character and now he's like having a little bit of fun with it and that's always especially when you can pick up on it as an audience member that's a joy to see and and, and, you know david howard thornton you know, it's similar to Nick Cage in Wally's Wonderland. Doesn't speak his own line, but like it just emotes and just says so much with like his body language, the way he like emotes with his eyes and like just the the very, very subtle, controlled, super purposeful way he like times his movements, how he moves. It's just like, and it's all in character, which is really cool. There is something I wanted to to mention as we're you know we're talking about the future of art with Terrifier three. Uh, as we're recording this, this was posted uh, earlier today from Screenbox TV. This is from their Instagram post. Quote: It's official. Terrifier three will receive a wide theatrical release in fall 2024 before streaming exclusively on Streambox. It's pretty clear that we're now entering a slasher genre renaissance. 
perhaps the biggest one since the 90s. Filmmakers like myself are going to have to keep pushing the envelope so it's encouraging when a company respects a director's vision and understands what makes a certain type of film successful, said writer-director uh, at Damien Leone. And I, I, I find that so refreshing, like, just to have the freedom to, like, make whatever the fuck you want, you know, and not have studio influence, like, overbear or being a helicopter parent. It's like, you know, trust in the vision, you know, the Terrifier franchise clearly has its niche audience. Um, and we are, you know, living in, you know, a, another great age of horror. And I've, I, I just, I'm just so glad that even though I don't, you know, hundred percent agree or hundred percent like what Terrifier is or represents, you know, we could dis- dis- agree to disagree and I, you know, more power to all the, all the creators out there who work on this franchise you know just making their dreams come true it's it's just i think it's it's bringing it's being bold and taking really big swings and risks which is great which is what keeps the medium fresh and moving forward i think that uh art the clown is fast becoming a horror icon that will fall amongst the ranks of Ghostface and Michael Myers and Kruger and a lot of the big ones and i'm excited for it also hashtag Lauren Lavera, new Scream Queen. Yes. Can't wait for her to come back. What are your final thoughts for this before we do ratings? I mean, I like Terrifier 2 more than Terrifier 1. Uh, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. And I think I think that's a, a, a win for Damien. So congrats, Damien. Uh, you won me over with Terrifier too. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that if you if you 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 will both be surprised and not surprised at your initial reaction and the first time we did uh, a episode concentrated on Art the Clown. But I do think that a lot of the initial concerns and like the things that you didn't like about the movie were addressed in this. Yeah. Film. Maybe with the exception of the last like two minutes with that post credit scene. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta have a stinger. You gotta, he's, he does, he does something wacky with every, like, you know, next, maybe in Terrifier 3, he'll have to like grow out of a dick or something. I don't, I don't fucking who, know. Who, <laughs> chart, uh, art just does, pulls a, pulls a chest burster, like art's head explodes out of, I don't know, a, a random person's body at a hospital. Right. You know, who knows? But I think he is fast becoming an icon. And I'm still really, given the up the ante on the gore level, I'm still kind of surprised that you enjoyed Terrifier 2, like, not even more than the first one, just at all. There's a lot of B-plot and a lot of uh, ancillary lore and, and interpersonal conflict and character driven interactions um and a lot of like really good like meaty storytelling to like palette cleanse in between like the super intense like kill scenes so that way it's more palatable and like like i was like okay great like we just saw the mom you know her head just gets caved in and the art stuffs it with mashed potatoes and then it goes into a different beat like okay cool i can i i, I can i can my 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 sense of 
Uh, my guard could be has time to be let down, to be surprised and shocked and schlocked again. What would you rate this? Uh, maybe like a B, B minus. You changed our rating scale, Christopher. I'm shocked. Oh wait, what's? It's been so long. Wait, what are we? What are we no, doing? No, I'm taking the letter <laughs> grades now, man. Uh oh, it's five out. Of, it was a scale of five. Okay. Uh, I would say maybe three. Three, three out of five scalpels. Uh, I'm going to do 4.7. No, 4.6. Solid 4.4.5. No, 4.6. Pale girls. Dang. Wait, 4.7? Wait, what's missing like that? No, 4.6. Wait, what? 4.6. What's, what's, what's the point four that's missing? Is it her head? Is it her arm? No, it's because the, the whole hospital scene at the end was fucking bizarre. And I was... Like, it's not that I, I, I kind of end on the same note as you where like, I was enjoying the whole thing and I was very like enamored with it. And then it got to the end and I was like, what the fuck just happened? What was that? <laughs> you, you agree with me, right? You're on my side. <laughs> I'm on your side when it comes to the ending of Terrifier 2. Incredible. The last like two minutes, I'm like, what the, what the actual fuck? just happened yeah i'm i i'm not crazy i'm not crazy <laughs> you're not you're not crazy because the violence and the gore don't necessarily like bother me um and i thought that they introduced like a lot of new and different elements into this movie and it made it it made it really like fun to watch even with the bedroom scene but the end yeah i mean there nothing there was nothing from the first film which made me feel like it was it would make sense for victoria for one to turn heel two to fall in love with art and to three like when she gives birth to him like again it really feels like this super shoehorned in joker harley origin story except you know victoria wasn't obsessed with ours she there must be like some natural supernatural thing going on where like she's possessed by the spirit of arts and now she's his thrall and she's the bride of dracula oh shit she's the bride of art right and it was like it was a little it was a little weird to see on that note thanks for joining this episode of left for dread guys we are we are here in case you forgot what our lovely voices sound like i promise it's mine's not gonna sound like this forever we came back from a wedding this weekend and i have been i scream sang a lot uh so my voice is like this this is also not our normal outro our amazing cover art is by liz van hootie our intro and outro music is from epidemic sound please don't forget to rate review and subscribe everything helps especially now that we are back you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every other Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And finally, yes, we still have stuff on tpublic.com, so do not forget to check that out. The link is in our bio. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. For, thanks for joining us if, you're, if this is your first time listening to... Left for Dread. If this is your first time listening to us, do not judge us based on this episode. We're so delirious and tired. We 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 need to it I, only I, gets I, I need to go to bed. And don't forget, stay dreadful! <laughs> <laughs>